This is your guide to succeeding as an entrepreneurial leader. Whether you're in business, a parent, or part of a community project, we can all be entrepreneurial leaders. With your host, Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach, and a variety of experts in leadership, you'll learn how to create extraordinary work and life results, stand up and speak up, make more money and have more fun, and get out of your own way. The biggest challenge is we don't like to ask for help and get stuck as do-it-yourselfers. Well, not anymore. Now here's your host, Jeanette Seibley, ready to help you become a successful entrepreneurial leader. Welcome. This is Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach. Let me start by asking you a couple of questions. How many of you have helped someone that others were ignoring? How many of you have spoken up for yourself when a boss or coworker didn't have all the facts? And how many of you have stood up and spoke up for a cause that eventually benefited a lot of people? Being an advocate for yourself and others is not hard. It requires being aware of how to do it effectively and how to be heard in order to achieve your intended outcome. I remember coaching a business owner one time and his employees hated him. And as his coach, I was his advocate for improving his management style. But what was interesting is I would have the employees calling me one-on-one -on -one to talk about how horrible he was. And what was interesting is then I would ask them, what did they need to do to be more effective when working with him? The good news is by breaching this communication gap, being an advocate for that, he improved and the employees stayed with the company. My guest today is Jill Tijan. She's the author of Over, Under, Around, and Through, How Hall of Famers Surmount Obstacles. It's an easy and inspirational read of what these women did to advocate for themselves and others. As my listeners know, I provide a quote from each guest, and here's the one offered by Jill this week. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. That's by Thomas Edison. I really like that one. So Jill, welcome. Thank you, Jeanette. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I always love talking with you. So let's talk about who is an advocate. Let's start right there. So I looked it up, you know, the definition, the Google, and it says it's somebody who is committed to change, is willing and able to publicly share their commitment, and is open to increasing their knowledge and understanding of the issue. And in Jeanette's words, or my own words, being an advocate is standing up and speaking up to be heard on an issue or problem and facilitate a positive outcome. So Jill, in your book, you talk about what women did to overcome obstacles, they became advocates. So what does it require for anyone, anywhere to become an effective advocate? Well, I think the first thing is, obviously, you have to believe in what it is that you're doing. And it has to be something that is a deep-seated passion, really. I mean, for, for example, 
And I'm going to use one of the women in the book. Her name is Martha Uriosti. Martha was in the Denver Public Schools for her entire career. And at one point, she was assigned to a school that had a horrible a high school that had a horrible dropout rate. And her job was to fix it. And by accident, she ended up finding out about Montessori education. And she became convinced that Montessori education, when you introduce young children, three, four, and five, to a love of learning, that then they will succeed in schools and they will graduate. They will love learning. They will want to go to school. They will not want to drop out. They will graduate from high school. They will probably go on and further their education. And she through the end of her life, which was very recently in 2022, she advocated for Montessori education all over the world. And what does that mean? I mean, she put her heart and her soul into it. And she talked about it everywhere she went. She talked about it to everyone she met. I mean, way, way before I wrote this book, I knew Martha. And I knew Martha, Martha and Montessori, those two words went together. Her name basically was Montessori because she so believed in it. And she would talk your ear off about it, but engage you in a conversation so that you understood why she had this belief, where she was coming from, what she had seen, the successes that she had seen, she, she had, in the course of her career, she had an elementary school that she converted to a Montessori school. When she got there, it was a failing school. It was failing from a standards perspective. It was not in compliance with the desegregation order. It was in a blighted neighborhood. I mean, everything that could be wrong with it was wrong with it. And she came in with this idea. And after she was, she was principal for nine years, the parents loved her. People were all wanting to see Montessori at their school. And so that deep-seated passion that she had, as well as, I mean, Martha's, she had a, a philosophy of relentless optimism. You can't make me, this is what she said, you can't make me give in. You can't make me give up. I'll never give in. I'll never give up. So let's just go ahead and do it. And I just love that story. She was she was taking Montessori to Uganda. She was taking Montessori all over the world. It wasn't just the Denver Public Schools. She had become an advocate in really the truest sense of the word. That is such an inspirational story. It gets me all giddy and like, wow, I'm I'm inspired, right? But it sounds like she had to have a lot of patience and a lot of perseverance. Absolutely. I mean, I, I already told you nine years. I mean, I think I can't remember the number. Some some number was 18 percent. I think 18 percent of the students when she got to the school were reading at grade level. Wow. And and so taking one step at a time, understanding what the end goal is in your advocacy. Her end goal is to have students love learning and to not drop out of school. And you do it a step at a time and you 
listen to other people and you figure out how to communicate with those people in a way that they can hear you and you do what is a win, win, win. It's a win for everybody <laughs> and everything. You know, it's it's a win for you. It's a win for them. It's a win for the out the ultimate outcome. And everyone knew that Martha was trustworthy. That she was committed. Oh my goodness, I know she was committed. And she took ultimate responsibility. So she did all of those things as an advocate. But yes, patience is a key component of all of it. You have to know where you're going. You have to know that it's not overnight and you have to, and, and you have to address all of the problems and all of the issues and all of the obstacles that happen along the way with the understanding that this is your ultimate goal and that you will get there if you do it a step at a time patiently. Yeah, she was not gonna be deterred. And I Correct. love that. I, I really love that. So for the listeners, how do, how do people become advocates anytime, anywhere? I know I've seen people, particularly lately, that, you know, they want to march for this, they want to speak up for that, but they've allowed their egos, their self-interest and their anger to get in the way of being heard. And really, they may still pull off all that stuff. But the thing is, there's really nothing that then moves it forward, such that it becomes a positive benefit for those people that are being impacted directly by it. So what would be tips that you would recommend to our listeners? Because all the listeners here are leaders, whether they have the title or not, whether it be in companies or a community project or even being a parent. <laughs> and you've been a parent, so you know what that can look like. So how do people become advocates? What are some tips that they can do right now? Well, I think they have to find out what it is that they really care about and what it is that they are passionate about. And the range of those causes or missions or whatever you want to call it is very large. It can be anything from homelessness to pet rights to medical care to maybe, I mean, this happens a lot. There is something that's trying to be built in the community or developed in the community that people either support or oppose and they become very animated and want to advocate for it. What, what you have to do is you have to first have the passion. People see through you if, that, if you're not driven to do something, if you're not passionate about something and you can't convince them to come join you. None of us very rarely do anything in our lives by ourselves. It might be that you wrote a book by yourself, but it certainly didn't get published and distributed <laughs> and marketed and all of those things only by efforts that either one of us undertook. So it's gonna require a team. And so team building skills are very important. Talking with other people, understanding them, having them understand you, listen to their concerns and their needs, figure out how 
how they can fit. We all have different skills. How can those skills fit together to give us basically the whole person or the whole picture with all those skills so that we can work on this together? And, and I mean, sometimes advocacy requires putting emails together or putting email lists together. I mean, that's a certain kind of skill. Sometimes it requires the frontline person who's speaking at a city council meeting or his speaking on television or is speaking on the radio. If those are not necessarily, that's not necessarily the same person that has those email list skills to put together and then those speaking skills. So you need all of those kinds of people. And, and so that, and then when you have that team, then, then you can actually move the team forward and you have to take responsibility. You have to decide what it is that you want to accomplish, what your timeline is for accomplishing it. You have to tell the other people and then you have to motivate them or persuade them or whatever the right word is to work in concert with everyone else to move the process forward. And I think that could be key. Sometimes you've got to be the facilitator of keeping people working together because you've got one hand, you know, like the right hand saying we need to go this way and the left hand saying, no, 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 we need to go that way. It's bringing everybody together and getting them on the same page. And I'd right. also like to add here, um, a team could be for you personally. I, I interviewed Deb Creer earlier this year and she is a cancer survivor and she's now advocating for all women to become advocates for their own health. So again, it, but she's had to put, like you said, put together a team in order to make it happen. Cause too often we like to be lone rangers. That's just not how it's going to work. Right. It, it is not going to work that way. So uh, yes. And, but and she is advocating for individuals to advocate for themselves, but yet there's the whole process of communicating the idea that has then requires the marketing and the distribution and the communication itself. So let's talk a little bit about being trustworthy. Uh, I know that in our in our conversation prior to recording this podcast, we were going through a couple of key points. And trustworthiness came up. Um, say more about that. What does that mean? The basis of relationships is trust. Friendships, any kind of romantic relationship, the foundation is trust. And trust is you say what you're going to do, and then you do what you said you were going to do. If you make a commitment, you honor it and people know they can rely on you, that you are dependable. And someone who is listening is gonna say, well, what if the dog died? Okay, you know, things do happen, but then you communicate and you inform the other people. You say, yes, I was supposed to be at this event at 11 o'clock today, but here is why I can't be there. Here's the plan for how it's gonna go forward. Here's who's gonna step in for me. Here's how it's gonna work. So that even when life happens, which it does, you have not just 
thrown up your hands, walked away, and left all of those other people just in the dust with, with well, no and not knowing what to expect from you. I mean, losing a pet can be very heart wrenching, as both you and I know. We've both gone through the experience. Uh, losing a child or a parent or spouse again, life happens like what you're talking about. But it's also taking some time, not only to grieve, but also to let other people know what they can expect from you and then allowing others to step in and fill in the gap. I think the big thing here in advocacy, at least in my experience, is, again, you're not going this alone, doing this alone. You're not going it alone. But too often we feel like the Lone Rangers. Right. And, And that goes to the asking for help part. And many, many people are or have a very, very difficult time asking for help. They think it's a sign of weakness. I actually do an exercise in one of my talks about networking. It's called a give and get exercise. And one of the things that I tell the participants is if we are each so busy giving that we don't have time or effort or are not willing to get or receive, that means that we're not allowing another person who wants to give us the opportunity to actually help us. And so it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a tremendous sign of strength to ask for help, to ask other people for things that you need to to ask them for advice. People love to give advice. And guess what? When they give you advice, they get to give and you actually get a need met because you needed that advice. And so this, this whole issue about asking for assistance and asking for help and being in a team is really very important for success in advocacy. And and understand again, and Jeanette, you said this earlier, I just want to emphasize this for the listeners. You can advocate in the work situation. You can advocate in a community situation. You can advocate in a religious venue. You can advocate as a parent. You can advocate in so many different places in your life, your entire life. And a corollary to that that just popped up in my head that I find that a lot of people do, and I call it a really bad habit, is they make decisions for people. Like, oh, Jill, you wouldn't want to do that. I know you wouldn't like to do that. I'm not asking you for help. I'm telling you, <laughs> right? So have you ever had that experience? Well, this this is an interesting experience that has actually, for years and years, kept women out of leadership positions in corporate America. Well, so-and-so can't travel because she has this kind of family situation or this kind of whatever, or, you know, she doesn't have time or he doesn't have time to go earn his master's degree because he or she has this kind of responsibility or that kind of responsibility. And yet they never asked the person Did that person want to travel? Did they want, I mean, audit teams, for example, in accounting firms. Well, we can't ask so-and-so to go on these audit teams because he or she has these obligations. No, you cannot make decisions for other people. You have to explain to them 
what the requirements are and, and ask them if that's something that they're willing to do. So yeah, that that's something that has actually made me crazy for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things that, that never goes away. But it's also like what you just mentioned before this is that you're ripping somebody off from giving. Yes. It's, it's see, it's it's so important to understand that when you receive, you are allowing somebody else to give. And that's that is like pure advocacy, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. So Jill, thank you. I trust this conversation for all of you listening has helped you understand that you already are an advocate. You already have what it takes to be an advocate. It's just a matter of fine tuning how you stand up and speak up in order to be heard. To wrap up, this is Jeanette Sibley. Until next time.